we're excited about getting into a new series. You know, we're a very, uh, we're a pretty divided country right now. And it was a tough uh, presidential race and, and a lot of different opinions. And I, I've never seen uh, us as a country get so entrenched in opposite views uh, anymore that you kind of avoid a lot of things. But one of the things that we uh, are in great agreement on is, is, you'd be surprised, there's a lot of agreement that there's a God. Uh, Gallup poll in June of, of 2016 said that 85% of Americans still believe there's a God. And uh, Pew, Pew Research did a poll recently, and they're always doing this every once in a while about, about prayer, and 55% of Americans say they talk to God every day. They pray. So I propose to you that we, why don't we drill down on what we agree on? Uh, the, the, ch- the state of agreement in the church is probably not that different than society at large. There's, you know, there's probably about 85% here this morning who believe there's a God. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we got 95%. <laughs> With the 5%, whatever you don't believe in God, raise stand up. We just, <laughs> we just want to honor you. Because <laughs> you are brave. You are courageous. If you came here the morning, you don't even believe in any of this. We just thank you for coming. That's awesome that you would come. But, uh, no, so, so I thought about this. As you know, we're, we're not in agreement with a lot of things. We're not sure about definition of marriage, we're not sure about uh, strong borders, weak borders, but we believe in prayer. What if we all just begin to ask God for his will? What if we all begin to ask God to show up? That's what this series is about. Um, Next week, uh, some of us are going to start a Daniel fast and be looking at our social media and our website. We'll have some information on how you can participate in that. And the Daniel Fast is just taking 21 days, and the 21 days we eliminate a lot of what Daniel called pleasant food out of his diet to focus on God. This series is called Ask God. For four weeks, we're going to talk about getting more in sync with God, that we will start to ask him for his blessings with supreme confidence. We want to increase our confidence, and we want to get we want to get better results. In fact, I'm calling this message Leveraging God. How would you like to greatly increase the percentages of your prayers actually being answered? I believe if we would drill down and we would start to examine a few principles in the Word of God, we could do that. See, we want to have this tremendously more effective and satisfying life with God, prayer life, one that will bring us both the things that we crave and will also bring us a deeper intimacy with the Lord himself. 2 Chronicles 7.14, God promised Israel if they would get humble and pray, he would forgive their sin, heal their land. That's pretty powerful. That he would forgive sin, which is the heart of God. The heart of God is to redeem us from our sins, those things. What is sin? Sin is those choices that decrease our divine potential. So God would deliver us from our, forgive us for our sins, the things we've done against our own personhood and against one another, the things that have separated us from one another. And he would heal our land. 
He would heal those things that produce what we need for life. And we're going to go to chapter James chapter 4, James chapter 4, verse 1. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that war within you? I, I know you, you're going to, oh no, I don't want to hear that kind of verse. That's just really negative. Hang on, give, stay with me. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. That's a, that's a pretty tough church, man. <laughs> you want what you don't. Oh, by the way, it's good to see my friend Dennis and Donna here today. And our Dennis and Donna go around the country looking at churches. Do you, do you, do you, have you been to a church where they're killing each other lately? <laughs> they're scheming and killing each other. <laughs> you are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. See, bad things happen when we don't pray. <laughs> When we, don't see, when we don't see God as the way to, to take care of us. When we, when we don't see God as the way to make sure our rights are protected and justice is done. When we don't see God as that way, things get pretty messy and violent, don't they? Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong and you want only what will give you pleasure. Now, if you're part of the 55%, you're already praying. And since this is a church, that percentage might be a little higher. But it's possible that you're praying and petitioning God a lot, but you aren't, but you aren't feeling closer to God. And you're not getting results. Look back again at James 4.3. Even when you ask, you don't get what your motive, you don't get because your motives are all wrong and you want only what will give you pleasure. Now let's uh, uh, circle that phrase there. You, all, you want only what will give you pleasure. That's the secret. That's the, 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 pop, the problem. That's putting our, 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 our stethoscope on the pulse of the issue. You want only what will give you pleasure. Now, is it wrong for you to want pleasure? No, it's not wrong for you to want pleasure. God wired your physical body, God wired your brain, and everything to respond to pleasure. In, in fact, you can, when, whenever there's something pleasurable that happens to you, uh, sensory or visually or whatever, if you think about it, you can actually feel the frontal lobe of your brain. There's a warmth that happens, the frontal lobe of your brain. You can actually feel it. And the Creator wired you that way. You were created to experience pleasure. You were created, actually, you were created to complain. Because when you go to anything and it's not pleasurable, you complain about it. Remember, the next time that happens, say, this proves that God created me for pleasure. God created me to enjoy life. Because when I don't enjoy it, I get really grumpy and I get really grouchy when I have to go to a service or a restaurant or have an experience that I do not enjoy. I don't go, this is, this, I feel I've arrived at my purpose because this was miserable. This was not fun. Thank you, God, for, for, for working your purpose in my life. No, God wired you for pleasure. Is it wrong to want pleasure? Of course not. The key phrase is only what will give you pleasure. So what about the pleasure and desires of God? 
What about the pleasure and desires of God? I'm calling today's message Leveraging God. It's based on, you know, I look for a better word, but I can only think about the fulcrum of God's desires. I didn't want to use that word fulcrum because I knew you didn't really want to hear us talk about the fulcrum of God's desires, but that's the best word I could think of because that's the key that we want to get at today. Just get us all on the same page. Well, let me just show you a picture of what a fulcrum looks like. A lever to bring me into a place where God is doing more in my life. To bring me to a place where I am experiencing the power of God. How many of you would like to experience the power of God? Were you experiencing, amen? You're experiencing the power of God in your life. You experience the power of God in your church. You're experiencing the power of God in your, in your personality. You're experiencing the power of God in your home. There's a fulcrum of God's desire. There's a way that we can leverage God. Archimedes said, I could lift the world if I had a fulcrum. The fulcrum or the lever that lifts your desires in the presence of Almighty God is God's pleasure. God's desires. Uh, oh, is God selfish, you ask, or is God manipulative? No, God isn't selfish or manipulative. God is compassionate and wise. God is compassionate and wise, so I would really be brilliant to understand the pleasure of God. I would really be smart to find out what blesses the Lord. You see that phrase in the scripture all the time, oh, bless the Lord. That's not just an innocent phrase. That's not just a, 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 a spiritual nomenclature. That's not just, that's not just words that open up, open up God's treasure house. It's not just some key to getting in the presence of God and grabbing all the gifts and running out. When I say bless the Lord, it is I am in pursuit of discovering what gives God pleasure, what makes God smile. The Bible says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. I am convinced that verse means that if I seek God, I discover what God desires. And God takes his desires and he transplants something into my heart. So there's this incredible marriage of God's desires and my desires. This credible desire of my pleasure and God's pleasure. It's the concept of leverage. We all know what, we all know about leverage. We all know what gives us power in negotiation is to discover the interests, needs, and desires of the other party and how they intersect with our needs, desires, and pleasure and will. I told you, I think, before about little Johnny Goforth sitting across from my brother. Johnny's five years old, and he's sitting across from my brother at the Dairy Queen. And Joe had a big pile of steaming Dairy Queen Texas-sized French fries. And Johnny's staring at those French fries, and he didn't have any. And he said, Joe, you know, you're the best friend I got in Texas. <laughs> Johnny understood leverage. He understood that Joe loved friendship. And he loved french fries. And when you put those two things together, you got two happy people. 
That's God. Do you get it? Do you get it? That's God coming to you today and sitting across the table from every one of you, knowing exactly what you want. And that's me sitting on the other side of the table from God and God saying to me, Phil, I want you to have what you want and I want you to give me what I want. Let's give each other what we want and we will take the world. We will do something amazing because we will bless one another. Remember the song we used to sing? Um, I bless the Lord and he blesses me. His banner over me is love. Remember that? This is a fantastic love affair when we talk about prayer and asking God. How many of you, when you were looking for a spouse, you said, I want to find somebody that just wants it their way? That's what that would, that, that would be. That's, I want somebody who does not care about my desires. I think that would be a powerful Marriage, and that would be a powerful couple to raise powerful kids who one person was made happy and nobody else. No, that wouldn't work. That wouldn't raise healthy kids. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be a great household to be around. I've been, in, I've been around that household. I've done marriage counseling with those people. <laughs> they end up in marriage counseling because they do not understand the law of reciprocity. They do not understand the laws of mutuality. They do not understand that what makes this thing work is everybody gets blessed. God gets blessed and we get blessed. And that's what we want to talk about over the next four weeks. We want to talk about how to enter into this place with God where God is treated like he matters. Of course, he's treated like he's really intelligent and wise. And he's treated with honor. It's going, to be, oh, it's going to be good, I think. See, we, we, can, we can deal with this matter of desire in a few ways that are unhealthy. We can try having no desire. I've seen those people. You know, I, I went to. I grew up going to church with a lot of those people <laughs> who were trying to have no desire. They were so spiritual. They were so spiritual that I don't know. If it, I hope this isn't inappropriate, Dennis. You can talk to me later if this is. But a, a guy actually told me. He said, "I do not know how me and my brother got into the world." I can't imagine. (laughs) Some people feel that to be holy is to have no desire. Only God's desires. That's to be less than human. And to be less than human, because you are made in the image of God, to be less than human is to be ungodly. To have no desire is to be ungodly, to have no interest in pleasure and no interest in delight. You're being an ungodly person. So, and besides, when people suppress, 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 it always comes out somewhere in a really ugly place in their life. When they try to go around pretending, 
I pastored a youth group like that, that all pretended they had no interest in one another and no interest in anything until we, the, the curtain got pulled back and we found all kinds of stuff was going on behind the scenes and people got pregnant that shouldn't have got pregnant and all that stuff because they was trying to pretend everything was platonic. Just God didn't wire us like that, right? The other thing is we can convince ourselves that God's only desire is to see us happy. I don't know how many times I've heard that. I've heard that. That's probably the most common thing I've heard in counseling. God wants me to be happy. But that leaves us without a guide. This has become the cornerstone of a lot of people's theology. It's half-truth doctrine because God will never use his power to thwart his purpose. Yeah, God does want you happy, but he doesn't just want you happy. He has a few other goals in mind. A wise and generous God says, let's have a meeting of our desires in mind, with you viewing me as the one with superior wisdom and superior love. Let's have a meeting. The Bible says, whatever you desire, ask of me. All over the Bible, scripture after scripture tells us that we are to bring to God our desires. I never... I'm never afraid to tell God, pray to God for whatever I want. Prayer, prayer is a place that you can just gush. You can just, prayer is a place to spout off. Prayer is a place to just, whatever is occupying your conscience mind, whatever is bugging you, whatever you want changed. If you don't believe me, read the book of Psalms. This man who was chasing God's heart, a man after God's own heart. In other words, he was after God's happiness. This man who was after God's happiness. He, he talks about some people that treated him badly, and he says, Lord, I want you to break their teeth. I want you to do some dental work on these people. See, but, see because I, I respect God as the all-wise, all-loving God, I, and, and I do not see him as my, as my servant. He's not my utilitarian object. He's not a vending machine that if I put in a dollar, I'm necessarily going to get the candy bar I wanted because I trust him to be my great heavenly father. I can ask him for the craziest things, and I know that he will lovingly sometimes say no. He will say no, he will say slow, or he will say go. One of the three, when you pray. We want to enter into the confidence zone. Now, let me show you a couple of, uh, this is supposed to be an express sermon, so I'm going to get, try to get down here pretty quick. And because I just wanted to give you an overview this morning. I just want to give you a foundation of where we're going in this series. And I want to talk to you, I want to present you the idea of the confidence zone. There's a place where we enter in the confidence zone. It's that place, and we can't always define exactly where it is. This is not an exact science. But it's a place where we combine the pleasure of God with our own pleasure. We combine what we, our desires with God's desires. And we get comfortable. We get comfortable with what the systems theory people call self-differentiation. We get comfortable that I am not God. And God is not me. And I am separate from God. And there are things that I want today that God doesn't care about. I am very concerned that the Patriots win today. I'm a little nervous. Miami's a tough place to play. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little concerned. God doesn't care. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm concerned about what I have for lunch. I want to have something that I would enjoy. God really doesn't care. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell God, help the Patriots win. I'm going to pray for lunch. Amen? <laughs> Finding out what God wants is going to take a little work. It'll take a little So let me show you another, another graph, another illustration in just a second. Don't put it up there. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. Now they know you ruined it. I want to use another graph to, to show you what happens when we don't meet God in the middle. When we don't meet God, the Bible says, find out what pleases the Lord. When I'm only preoccupied with my material world, food, clothing, sex, money, and I'm always praying about these things, and my, the car, and the, my team winning, and all of that stuff, and my career, even my ministry, is not necessarily the pleasure of God. When I go there, it, I want to show you what happens to your heart. Or when I go to the other extreme, is I try to be, you know, Solomon said, don't be overly righteous. <laughs> when I try to be the perfect person who has no carnal desires, no interest in, in beauty, no interest in pleasure. Look, now you can put it up, guys. Nursery alert first, 47582. Please take care of that. The confidence zone they, is in the middle, see? If I get over here, focus to all my own desires, I become superficial, undependable. No, you never know when I'm going to show up because I might not want to show up. Disconnected, insensitive, sensual. When I get over into that side of life. Or I go to the other side, super spiritual. This is a lot of folks that I knew as a child. Joyless, inflexible, angry, self-righteous, moralistic, fearful. No fun. That's the no fun zone. Here's where we need to be. People who practice self-care. People who understand that we're in a physical body and we need to get rest. We need to, we need to have a, a, a certain amount of respite, a certain amount of relaxation, but, but we have a deep concern for God. We always are looking for where are the boundaries? Where are the boundaries? You know, one of my boundaries, and if I wasn't preaching, it would be the same. One of my boundaries is I'm going to come to church on Sunday morning. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be in this place with the body of Christ. I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to let my need for pleasure take me away from church on a regular basis. I'm not going to let it take me away from meeting with the body of Christ because I know that is the concern and the heart of God. Jesus died for the body of Christ. Self-control, dependent on God. Self-esteem, I've got it. You know, when I suffer, and I have struggled many times with self-esteem, and I've struggled deeply. I've talked to you. I've been very open to you about, through the years, my struggle with insecurity. You know, when I, when I get in, see, I, I know myself. I don't go so much to the left side of that. I go to the right side. That's where I go. When I get, when I feel small, you're not going to like me because I'm going to be unkind to you, and I'm going to be sarcastic. 
And I don't, I don't go to a good place when I go over to the right side. So God, in order for me to stay balanced, I got to make sure when I'm not feeling good about myself, I got to go pray because this isn't going to go. I got to say, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Oh God, don't take your spirit from me. Bring me back to that place where I believe that I'm created by you and I believe that I'm the image of God. I believe that I'm created a little bit lower than the angels because I'm a lot nicer to people when I feel like I'm a little lower than the angel and I'm really not very nice to people when I feel that I'm a lower than a worm. I'm really not kind to people because I'm really get kind of angry and difficult. I want to stay there where I'm loving, exalting God and this produces people who are lighthearted and joyful. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Amen? Hallelujah. David has confidence with God for Solomon. When he prayed for Solomon, in a minute, we're going to put up a long passage of Scripture, that David had confidence with God for Solomon in the context of the pleasure of God. I want to show you a passage of Scripture where David is praying and prophesying about his son who will be the king and he prays and prophesied of his son's success, his son's fame, his son's riches, his son's notoriety. He, he is forecasting and praying and prophesying about how great his boy will be. But I want you to see with me the context that David puts it in. I want you to see the context that I want you to see why David was able to say, bless my kid, bless my kingdom, make him, make him famous in the earth. There's a place where you can have such confidence with God that you can pray for fame and you can pray for riches and you can pray for success, but only if you understand the pleasure of God. Now let's look at it. I, I'm going to read off the, you know what they call this? They call this a confidence monitor. I didn't even think about that. I'm preaching about the confidence zone, and I have a confidence monitor. So I'm going to read it off the confidence monitor. Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son of your righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness and afflicted ones with justice. Stop right there. That's the purpose of God. That's the pleasure of God, is that people get, get judged in righteousness, and, and they receive and afflicted people receive justice, fairness, equity. May the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills, the fruit of righteousness. May he, he's talking about Solomon there, may he defend the afflicted ones, the people, and save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. May he endure as long as the sun. See how he's mingling the success of Solomon and the pleasure of God? He's just weaving these two like a beautiful tapestry, the pleasure of God and the success of Solomon. That's what I want your life to become. That's what I want every one of your lives to become. I want your lives to become a beautiful tapestry of, the, of your success and the pleasure of God, of your success and the will of God, of your success and, and, the, and the, incredible, in the incredible compassion of God and the passion of God. May he defend the afflicted ones. May he crush the oppressor. May he endure as long as the sun as long as them. See, a lot of times we just pray, oh God, I want to crush the oppressor, help me. And God says, why do you want to crush the oppressor? Why? Why do you want to be famous? Why do you want to, why do you want to have, why do you want to have a marriage? Why do you want to get married? Why do you want to have children? Why do you want to drive a nice car? Why do you want to live in a nice house? Why do you want to have a good job? Is the pleasure of God 
woven within the tapestry of the picture you're painting for your life? May he endure as long as this. Look at that. May he endure as long as, this, as the moon, sun, as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like the rain falling on a moan field, like showers watering the earth in his days. May the, right, may the righteousness flourish and prosperity abound till the moon is no more. May he rule from sea to sea. A lot of times we pray, oh God, help me to rule from sea to sea. But why? And from the river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the gifts of Sheba and, she- and Seba present him gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him for he will deliver the needy who cry out the afflicted who have no one to help he will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death why is it why do i want my son to be the 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 best thing since sliced bread why because he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. You want God to hear your prayers? You want to be a powerful person in prayer? Find out what makes God happy. Got one. I mean, I didn't even get a, I didn't even get a golf clap. You know. In His presence is fullness of joy. At His right hand are pleasures forevermore. God is calling us. Then I'm really excited about where we're at right now. I believe that God is doing something. He's stirring something. There's a, there's a a prophetic, as you mentioned the other day, a prophetic tone or note, I forget how you said it, that is being set right now. I think we're being called back to the God of the Bible. I just keep feeling it. We're being called back to the God of the Bible. And I wouldn't want to be alive at any other era. I wouldn't want to be alive at any other time in history and any time in church history than today. This is a really exciting time. We have, the, we have a window here to rise up and be the people of God. Be the people of God who bring all those theological streams, all those thinking streams and all those ideas that, that I've, I've lived through in my 61 years. And I believe all of them had some important merit to them. The prosperity gospel. It had, it had some important truth, but it left out some real important truths. The holiness movement that I grew up in, which I know doesn't even, both of these things, I realize I'm, maybe I'm talking to my colleagues here for a second, that don't even mean anything to a lot of you. I understand. You've just come to faith or you've just come to church. So you don't even, you don't even realize all that's gone on. You probably would run in terror if you know everything that's gone on in the body of Christ. But uh, God is, God's in charge. God's in control, and he wants to do something really cool in our lives, in our church, and in our community. Because you, Bethany, and I just want to talk to you, family, for a minute. You have the right heart for this. I am really lucky, if I can use that word, that unbiblical word. I'm really lucky to be with you. And I'm really lucky, I'm really blessed that I can preach this kind of stuff and we can talk about this, and there's an understanding of what we're talking about. 
And there's an embracing. I, I, I think you're ready to go. God has positioned us uniquely in this community. This is a year that we have to step up. We have to step up. We have to turn everything up a notch. This prince is a good doll here today. I want you to turn everything up a notch. Your, your amount of interceding, your amount of seeking the pleasure of God. But we, if we will focus on the king's business, the king will take care of our business. That's the message. And I want to give you, amen. Two more quotes before I go, before we close. The real point of going after God's heart in prayer is that we will, overcome with con- we will be overcome with confidence. The real reason for confidence through God, for knowing God's will, is not a fear of God's anger, but the security of God's wisdom. Let me say that again. The real reason for confidence through knowing God's will is not a fear of God's anger, but the security of God's wisdom. I am very dangerous when I only have my own pleasure as the focus of my prayer life. But when I have my pleasure and God's pleasure, I'm safe. And you're safe around me. Amen. Let's stand. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you will commit to the Lord today that you will go on a quest in the month of January to discover his pleasure. How many of you raise a hand and say, I will, go, I will go on that quest to discover God's pleasure. Lord Jesus, you see our hand raised and we, in that hand, we hold up an empty hand and we want you to fill it with your request of us. We want you to fill it with what your, your orders, your shopping list. Now, how many of you would also say, I'm going to work at being a really joyous human being. Raise your other hand. Lord God, I have this other hand over here, and in this other hand, I have those list of things, those things. I'm, you know what I'm frustrated about. You know what I'm sad about. I know it's not the thing that you're most sad about, but I'm sad about it, God. Lord, you know those lonely places in my life. And I'm trying to do your will, but God, I kind of get drugged down because I got this loneliness and this frustration and this relationship over here that's not good. And I got this material need and I'm, I'm worried about, you know, my job and, and I'm, I'm worried about my health. And I don't like some of the things I'm going through physically, God. I lift that up to you too, and I pray, God, that you would bring those two things together. Bring my world and your world together so even my affliction serve you, and even my pain serves you, and even my frustration serves you, and it all serves you. And so, Lord, when you bring things to pass, it's not just for me, but it's for us. It's for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We pray all of this. And we pray you'll give us an awesome 2017. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Let's enjoy one another. You have been listening to the Bethany Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at bccma.org. Thank you, and God bless.